Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, it is not just two men. No, it's not even three men. We've got five heads in the building <laughs> combining like Voltron. Yes. <laughs> to create. Hey. You, ain't, you ain't never lie. You ain't never lie. <laughs> we have Shiz, Asriel, and Alexa Gold of The Beat Connection. Hey. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in the building yeah thank you so good to be here yes sir yeah yeah good to have you most definitely they are here ladies and gentlemen to help us review 1975 sheba baby sheba baby sheba baby starring starring pam greer and a man named austin stoker Oh, that's the best I can say about the brother. But we're going to get into it. How, how are you not going to mention Dervil Martin? Oh, I forgot about Dervil Martin. Yes, yes, ubiquitous Dervil Martin. You can never forget Dervil Martin, seventies All Star player. It's like the Spanish Inquisition. No one's ever ready for Dervil Martin. <laughs> you just look up and there he is. There he, there he is. You can't, you can't miss him. You can't miss this butterfly mustache. Right. Like teasing you all over the place, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, shout out to each and every one of you out there in the chat watching us as we stream live on Facebook as well as on YouTube. Hello, Robert Monroe Jr., Aaron Fry, Sharon, Melissa, Deborah. Hey, 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 one and all. We are going to get into some good conversations. Um, we got, oh man, we got a conversation to, to start off as we get into what everybody seems to have been talking about all weekend yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Netflix, the harder they fall. But, yeah. But before we do that, before we do that, and before I even introduce you to the Beat Connection Uh-oh. proper, ladies and gentlemen, I want to, for the first time, because Vincent, we haven't had this opportunity to do this on air before, to give a very special thank you to Alexa Gold of The Beat Connection. She is not only a podcaster, but she is a talented singer, songwriter, and music producer who produced (laughs) the new theme music for the Misho Mission. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for letting me, uh, for giving me the opportunity to do that. And um, yeah, I'm so glad that you guys, yeah, I'm I'm just so glad to be here, man. And Lynn, I've known you for quite some time. So when you called me to 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 do it, I was a bit nervous about it. But yeah, man, I appreciate it. Oh yeah, you put your foot in. You put your foot in. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, most definitely. So all right, so real quick, real quick, give everybody and whomever wants to go the thirty second pitch on what the Beat Connection podcast is all about. Lex, Lex, yeah. You, you version of it. <laughs> no, um, seriously, the beat connection is called the beat connection for a reason. It is connecting the music between the modern hip hop song that we discuss 
and the original song that the modern hip hop artist and producer usually borrows or samples from. So for example, you know, we uh, discussed uh, Pete Rock and See How Smooth. We did Troy, They Reminisce Over You. Nice. Who sampled Tom Scott's song today, mm -hmm. which was also, you know, sampled as well. Um, we did several, you know, several different songs. Um, and what we love to do is just talk about that sonic lineage because so many of these producers, these great producers from Pete Rock, DJ Premier, Kanye West, um, so many others, you know, that I'm sure, you know, like Shiz and, and Azriel can, can name, they have basically dug into the crates yes. and essentially, mm -hmm. you know, grabbed music from all over the world. You know, and essentially, you know, they basically lifted and expanded our perception of sound, our perception of melody and musicality, and really brought that into, you know, hip hop. Right. And so yeah. it, it's opened up a lot of um, hip hop listeners' ears. I mean, even Jay Dilla, Mad Lib, I mean, now mm -hmm. it's like pouring mm -hmm. in, but there's so many people out there, so many producers who have really kind of opened up the the soundscape so to speak in terms of like where you can grab good music and even if it's just let's say five seconds 10 seconds 30 seconds of a sample yeah, you know yeah. we talk about repeat offenders Ahmad Jamal has been sampled I don't know how many times right? James right. Brown listen, has been sampled listen, I don't know how many course. times <laughs> you know listen. yeah th there's so many people out there we uh, talked about the silvers um, as well, which was mm. a, a family group, you know, mm -hmm. who basically came out with a lot of great music and Camp Low for their song, Lucini, this mm -hmm. is it, Yeah, you know, sample from their song. So Adventures in the Land of Music. So this is basically a discussion of the sonics and accessory of, you know, modern hip hop music. That's dope and yeah. needed <laughs> and needed. Yeah. No? Yeah. Cause I don't see a lot of people talking about that. I mean, most of, most of the time, you know, we listen to all kinds of music. We don't think, I mean, we think the sample is cool, but we don't necessarily think about where it came from. Right. Right. You know, so that's something that we love to do It's like, we we're kind of digging in the crates with those producers and with those artists and we're going on the ride along with them and just basically talking about, you know, all of this great music that's out there. And we're also diving deep into the artists who have been sampled because a lot of times you right. dig through the crates and you think these artists have passed away and it's like no a lot of people are still living they're right, still right, very right. much touring still producing mu music still producing yeah, music yeah. you know still out there making music mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i think they deserve to be you know put in the spotlight and be brought to the forefront to this new generation of listeners when you spoke about uh some of the older artists um still being active i ended up uh, watching the documentary where Leon Silver's, I think, great grandson was now a hip hop producer. So mm. it's it's funny how music just keeps evolving. And as much as that, as much as music meant to that family, it's still going on today. Even though the the sound of music has sh has shifted, yeah, right, the art right, is still very much a part of the lineage. And and I like that word that y'all use, like sonic lineage I, I, mm -hmm. I love i love that i love that now as real all right on the yes, episode sir. that yes, i was sir. listening to on your show and it's, it's funny that Alexa brought up talking about re repeat Ooh. offenders what, I, what did i do because what did what, i say yeah now, now, yeah. now, now Vince, now Vince is a hardcore hip hop head. Don't let the Diana Ross fool you. This hey. is a hip hop head right here. Dog. <laughs> I dabble. Say less. Say less. So, 
So you're talking about repeat offenders, and y'all were talking about DJ Premier, mm. who is definitely a beast, a beast. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But. What did I say? But you put him, you put him right beside, as if he was standing, representing all of East Coast, you put him right beside Dr. Dre. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, I like Primo. I don't know. I don't know if I if he's mm. can stand mm. like like looking eye to eye with Dre. I don't know, <laughs> dog. I, says, says who? Says who? I mean, I mean, just I'm just saying. Say the say the charts. Say the say the um say the respect due. Oh, say the nope no no no. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. What we doing? What we doing? What we doing? Come on. Teach when this you, savage when, Asriel. When you, when, when you listen, up, DJ Premier's DJ Premier's sound for a decade and change, and probably still to this day, is considered the East Coast sound. Okay, that, yeah, he's definitive. He's definitively. It's other people. You, you can name Pete Rock and all them, and you can put anybody there. I right. said for me, for me. DJ uh, Premier's uh, DJ, DJ Premier's style of, of instrumental and beat making and production was why I fell in love with hip hop. It's him gotcha. and mm -hmm. it's Dre. It's mm. him and it's Dre. For me, we can debate this all day. DJ Premier's legacy, though, Biggie, J, Nas, whoever you name, got a legendary Primo track. That's why Primo is where he is for me. And that's okay. not even including Gangstar. Okay, I mean, but I mean, and, but Dre and, or or most death. I mean, most well, yeah. Primo, mm -hmm. Primo went with everybody. Royce had a Royce the Five Nine had a career resurgence because of Premier. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But I'm just saying, Dre, Dre got some like some all time classics too. I mean, you just anything he did with oh. Snoop is like uh, uh, is certified. Gonna... Can I, can I slide? Oh, in no, no, no. Come on, come on, come on. Shiz, shiz. <laughs> yes, you can do. Just come in and, and, and slide in. Let me slide in for a second. All right. So I think, Wait, I think, go ahead. You got, you got to share because you know, you know how I feel about Dre. <laughs> so I think the conversation is, right, and it's just like with, uh, just like with most things, when you, care, when you compare, say, like, um, say, like, Jay-Z to Nas or something like that, just like, say, for right. example, right? I think you have a culture of hip hop, but then like your hip hop purists, and then you have a culture of not necessarily unhip hop purists, but more of your commercial uh, commercial listeners. Mm -hmm. And for mm -hmm. Dr. Dre, um, not for nothing, as far as commercially, Dr. Dre would be. It, obviously, he's up there in the charts because you know his whole aftermath label and Eminem and everything like that. But then when you talk about a DJ, Pro, when you talk about a DJ Premier, I think DJ Premier is more of your uh, hip hop purist kind of producer and DJ because a lot of the names that you that you speak of, as far as like uh, Granted Royce of Five Nine has had um, had commercial success. Uh, like you said, most deaf gang star things and, and artists of that nature, they're not really widely known commercially. They're more of a, a, um, 
like a, a purest form of hip hop as opposed to like you say somebody that's out in the bright lights every day or somebody that's uh, topping the charts and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's the conversation or the, the discussion or the dispute between the two of them. Not taking away from either one because they both stand on their own, but I think Premier is more of a, and I don't even want to say underground because I don't mean underground in the sense of underground, but he's more of no, a. No, 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 no. I've got yeah. it. He's yeah. more. It's the essence. It's the essence. Now, what, and I'll say this. Um, I don't know if you saw our Dr. Dre episode. I had a total stand moment for Dr. Dre. Like, I <laughs> love Dre. Like, mm-hmm. Dre, like, when I put Premiere next to Dre, it was 1A, 1B. Like, right. if you throw right. on a Primo track, I'm going to have a field day. If you throw on a Dre track, I'm going to have a field day. That's just my two favorite producers. Like, if they would have did them in the verses, I'd have, I'd have shut my Instagram down. Like, I'm just, yeah. I just really hold Premier in a really, really high regard. I ain't even mad at you. I ain't even mad at you. You stood, you stood for Primo, and that's all I wanted you to do. So I ain't mad at you. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh Ashley. yeah, I'm always <laughs> gonna stand for Primo. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know what? Let, let me just add real quick. It makes me think of like on a commercial level. We're talking about, you know who represents commercially for uh, West Coast hip hop, most people are going to think about Dr. Dre. But on the East Coast, if you don't think about DJ, DJ Premier, then you're probably thinking about Kanye West. Now, that would be like my choice for somebody commercially who has kind of really taken over the East Coast as far as sound. And I mean, yes, we can say, okay, these producers have also made names for themselves as far as being artists. Um, But I think production wise, they both have such a large catalog, not just in hip hop and R&B, but in other kinds of music that I think that Mm -hmm. possibly Kanye West might be maybe like the next choice in terms of, you know, commercially, you know, putting East Coast on the map. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's why I always go to Pete Rock. Because I think Kanye, it's a, it's okay. a direct line between Pete Rock. So do I. And Kanye. Oh, yeah. And Kanye. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you know, that whole no that... Chicago style. Mm, yeah. well, do, do you think that Kanye, do you think Pete Rock is as, as known as Kanye, though? Oh, like, no, I no. don't think he's as known. But but I think what, you, you know, when you think about Kanye West and and his, I mean, Kanye West in a lot of ways, in my mind, is a classic beat digger. Mm-hmm. Like, like, mm-hmm. I, like, like, I think, you know, Premiere, you really think about the, the, um, the turntable work. Dre is, yeah. you know, G-Funk, like he really mm-hmm. does have that bounce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Pete was actually in the crates. Right, like yeah, right. he was actually, you know, doing um, doing the work, you know, doing. I mean, he was an archaeologist. Yeah, like, right, like, it, right, like, yeah. It, like, like it really was. Yeah. Like Pete was during that moment in the nineties where these dudes were, were Indiana Jones. Like I was right, saying, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and, and trying to outdig <laughs> each other. Yeah, I would yeah. say Pete yeah. and Prince Paul. Yeah. Pete, uh, Prince Paul, Prince Paul, Paul uh, digging, yeah, literally digging in the crates. Yep, yep. you know Dom yeah. and D, like all yeah. of them, yeah. like like they really Dom did. Yep. So, and in my mind, Kanye West took that, like you said, to a commercial level, mm-hmm. right? But right. but he really yeah, is Lord from that. Um, yep. Right, right, right. Lord Finesse. Right. I'm not going to gloss over my man Just Blaze though. I, I I keep seeing people dating. Yeah. <laughs> 
just had well, over my well, guys well, no, 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 well, when you mentioned Kanye and his run on the East Coast, Just Blaze is right there. So when you mention that Kanye run, you got to mention Just Blaze, even if you don't mention him by name, because the Rockefeller sound was Kanye and Just. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Hold up. Hold, hold up. This isn't the show mission. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, see, 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 what y'all don't realize, what you, y'all don't you realize this. No, I just started. <laughs> I just started, but I just started, but I know when to stop. Vincent, Vincent is two inches away from moving his notebook to the side yeah. and, and just pulling right, out. Because we, we can talk uh, about producers. Yeah, yeah, you know, he can go producers uh, all day. Yeah. Yes, we love we, it. We, we, we love might, it. Yeah. We might we'll, we'll do a part two of this from the connection. We'll say that for when y'all come on to us. All right, 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 right. definitely. Because we got to get the mad lib. We got to get the large professor. See, see, oh, here we go. We got like. Really gave Dilla what we supposed to give Dilla as far as his flowers. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. right. For the beat connection. All right, I'm just save it for the invitation. You know, see, talking about producers. It's my bad. I started it. I started. I should have known better. This is what we do, man. We love this. We love this, man. I tried to tell you. It's, it's all my fault. All my fault. The Beat Connection, ladies and gentlemen, they converse about some of hip hop's most notable samples and the original music that inspired them. Yes. You can subscribe on YouTube at The Beat Connection Two One Five. Yes. Yep. Most definitely. Yes, even, though, even though you're you're not all in the, the Two One Five area, I know Alexa is is local right now. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I am as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm at an undisclosed oh. location. <laughs> yeah, but he's from the two one five though. He, he's from you know he's from Philly. So okay. Him. All right, well, we're going to get into the heart. Get into the heart of they fall in a second, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. But I got to put shiz on blast for a little bit because, as you see, he's got this wall of records behind him, <laughs> and it, and, it, and it's, it's mad beautiful. He's got Thriller. He's got the Bee Gees. I mean, he's got Alice Cooper, and he said that this this is pulled from the record collection of, of himself and his wife. Um, but I got to ask, who of the two of you is the Barry Manilow live fan? I told you, um, <laughs> you know what? Like I said, between me and my wife is a combination of us both. Um, because we listen to everything. Like, literally, we listen to everyone. We, one morning, we can wake up to, uh, we'll wake up listening to disco. Um, the next morning we're listening to uh, R&B. The next morning we could be listening to uh, um, I don't know classical Beethoven or something like that. So it's everything that comprises the wall and everything that we have as far. And this isn't everything that we have, but um, everything that we do have as far as records and vinyls and all that, it's, it's, it consists of both of us. Because again, we we listen to and touch every every sound and everything that's out there. So, but um, yeah, it was her idea, though. It, it and was, yet it, you have not answered who was the owner of the Barry Manilow Live. You know what? I, I like the Barry Manilow cover. I like the cover. I was about to show you, Shiz. You're about to break me Hans' bag. Stop tap dancing. 
Yo, the Copacabana <laughs> is a good song. Her name was Lola. She was right, a showgirl. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, man, don't, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Like, I, right. I, I, yeah, I have no shame. Don't worry about it. The, the the missionaries are right with you. Deborah Battle says, "Leave Barry Manilow alone." Mm-hmm. I love his music. So, so there you go. Shot I rang out, but out. who shot who? That's the Copa. Copa Cabana. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. It's not Casablanca. Oh my god. Then it turned into a disco when she lost her mind. She lost her love and then she lost her mind at the Copa. Copa Cabana. Because remember, she was a crazy woman. All right. She was a crazy woman at the disco. Okay. Okay. She was dancing at the disco. She was crazy. I'm laughing because I didn't know he knew this much. Come on now. At the Copa Copa Cabana? It really is a good song, though. It, it's I it's mean, a great story. Oh, my God. Uh. She lost her love. She lost her man. And she lost her mind. Okay. All right. All right. At the Copa. At the Copa Cabana. Copa Cabana. <laughs> Lynn said, tone it down a notch. <laughs> oh so, God. anyway. You brought up Barry Manilow. I did bring up Barry Barry Manilow. Did. I didn't know I didn't know it was going to trigger you. I'm just <laughs> saying. <laughs> Let's uh, get into what everybody's been talking about from this past weekend with the premiere of the new western, "The Harder They Fall." Yeah. Oh yeah. That hit Netflix. All black cast starring Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Jonathan Majors, Lakeith Stansfeld, uh, R.J. Seiler, Delroy Lindo. Delroy Lindo. You know, just to name a few. I mean, it's it's nothing but heavy hitters uh, in this film that was, uh, I believe it was, was it, uh, it was directed by Jesse Samuels, Mm -hmm. um, who co-wrote the screenplay with uh, Boaz Yakin. And this film, which so far, as far as I can see, has gotten pretty good reviews. Yeah, pretty and solid yeah. reviews. Yeah, solid reviews. Really solid. From solid to stellar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it and it's definitely a movie that me and you, Vincent, were very were looking forward to because we're big Western fans. Yeah, oh, especially yeah. you yourself, Vincent. I know you're a huge Western. Fan. I mean, huge is so strong. I, I'm, I think they're interesting. Okay, All like right. like certainly, and when you when you talk about blackness in mm-hmm. westerns, we've had what two years now where we've devoted a month, yeah, to black westerns. So yeah, yeah, it was very much in our wheelhouse. And and I understand that of the the big connection, Azriel, you you actually just watched the film, right? Yeah, I watched it over the weekend with my wife. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um. What sparked my interest though was um I heard the soundtrack. I heard, I heard the mm-hmm. soundtrack first. And okay. um I'm a uh the B Connection can attest. I'm a I'm a big Griselda fan. And there was a record on the soundtrack with Conway from Griselda, Jay-Z, and Jadakus. So I was yeah. like, oh, who did this who did this beat? And it was James Samuel. For those who be, for those who don't know, James Samuel is also a music producer. He produces right. I think that's his, 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 his main claim to fame, actually. Uh, 
Yeah, right. he produces for Jay Electronica and a few other uh, MCs and artists. Uh, him, his producer name, I think it's him and another brother. I can't remember his name. Uh, they go by the Bullets, though. Bullets mm, with an okay. I. Right. So this was his first feature film. He's done documentaries before, and he's done short films. I think one of his documentaries was uh, based on Jay-Z, and it was a short film that got nominated for like a Sundance Award. I can't remember the name of it. So... Uh, I went into it just with uh, no expectations. I just wanted to see a good film. Mm-hmm. That's probably that's probably one of the better the better films I've seen probably in the last few years. I mm-hmm. really, really like really films. Period. It. Yeah, I really really enjoyed that. And what I liked about it, uh, if you don't, you might not even notice it, but nobody in that movie says the n word. Yeah, I no, know. Yeah, they flirt with it. Yeah, he's actually second. talked yeah. about that in interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, there was one, like you said, there there was one scene where they kind of flirted with it, and before it even came out, mm-hmm. it was over. Yeah, and yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but that that's right. a really good film, and I really enjoyed the twist. I also like that they, the story is fictional, but the characters are real live outlaws and they existed. So you right, can go right. back and do your history on them and find out the real story. But the story of the film is really good, really good. What were your thoughts on on, on the film, Vincent? Oh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I think it, it was very much in the, um, the spaghetti Western tradition, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was always a lot more style. Right than you know the story itself and and certainly this is a film that that just it just had a lot of style mm-hmm. like you could tell they mm-hmm. leaned on the visuals yes yeah big time of big these time. black people within this context that we don't necessarily see them in all the time mm-hmm. but i yeah. like the fact that the heft of of the talent of the actors really lifted it Mm-hmm. More than South. So, so you know, you have yeah. Idris Elba, you have Delroy Lindo, you have Regina King, you have Lakeith Stanfield, and the script itself isn't isn't really that heavy. No, no. Yeah. But the caliber yeah. of their acting elevated it mm-hmm. to the point where right. it was something. If somebody has not signed Delroy Lindo to play Bass Reeves. In, in like a series of films, like, like old, a three picture yeah. deal, like older Bass Reeves mm-hmm. that you can tell his back hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like he got bad knees, like he ain't really here for all that. <laughs> nope. Like I didn't realize what I wanted was older Bass Reeves. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows who he is. He, you know, he's very deliberate and intentional with his movements. Mm-hmm. But I, look, I don't really have time. Look. I was uh I know Robert is in the in the um chat, but he and I talked a little bit over the weekend and we said nothing more dangerous than an old black man. That's right. And I thought he captured that wonderfully. No, no, there is something more dangerous. An old black man with a badge and two guns. Right. <laughs> and, and again, bad, you know, bad like you could tell he had bad knees. Mm-hmm. Like I ain't running. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, look, look, if I had to take this gun out, I'm killing somebody because mm-hmm. I had to take it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I enjoyed it a great deal. I mean, look, yeah. 
talking about the the, the cast like like we i mean we got to address the zazzy beats elephant in the room at some point yeah but because I, but you want to talk yeah. or, like what did you think lynn <laughs> well i mean uh first of all I enjoyed it. I, okay. I too, like you, didn't think like the script is not it's not you know changing the world or anything like that. Right. But that's fine because you know most westerns, the stories are basically their folklore. That's what they are. You right. know what I mean? And yeah. And and that's what this film is. And when you think about a whole lot of westerns, I was actually thinking about this, is that outside of westerns that are specifically trying to tell a real story like like the gunfight at the OK Corral or something like that outside of those type of westerns all all the westerns are basically they're folklore they're stories that've been handed down and they right. take people from history they kind of massage them up make them almost like these huge myths american myths and they put the put them in these adventures you know which is what you had, like they they were called, like you know, basically like the the little books that they they people would pass on right. the stories of Billy the Kid and stuff like that. So, and those stories are basically just quick morality tales, and that's what this was. And like you said, what elevated it was not only the acting, but just the stature. You know, I mean, because the acting was good, but the second, you know, and we don't want to spoil it, but the second. Idris Elba enters into this film. Oh, this film then went up another notch. Right. And mind you, and mind you, it's already up here. Right. Because Regina King is on a horse. Yes. Standing across the railroad tracks. It's it's like it's my favorite scene in the movie. It is beast, man. It is it is beast. And like you talk about like uh Delroy Lindo. I didn't know I needed Regina King in a Western. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Right. Regina King oh in a Western God. with a knife. Oh my God. Oh. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Yo. I was, I, was wa- I was watching with my wife and I had to contain myself. Yo, I'm telling you. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it speaks to Azriel about the soundtrack. The soundtrack is just so amazing because while it does have touches of the of the um you know you know typical wild west fare that you would hear in in westerns yeah it's mixed with like some caribbean flair right some like some african hip-hop i mean it's just it's just like this international gumbo of like yeah. you know sonicness to, to paraphrase from the beat connection there yeah and, and it's just like <laughs> it's just it's so it's, it's- Delicious. There's man. a it's... there's a there's a seal record on that soundtrack that they play maybe about mm. an hour and twenty minutes, maybe about an hour and fifteen minutes into it. It's almost at its crescendo at this point. The seal record comes on at the perfect point in that movie, and it's just like, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Yeah. I feel like seal was the cheat code for uh, soundtracks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and shout out to Idris Elba too for getting back on the horse. Remember, he just uh, he just did uh, the song about the Philly Cowboys. Uh, yeah, the Cow- yeah. Concrete Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. So shout out to him for jumping back on that. He's like, y'all gonna get me on these horses? Like now? After that, I'm done. So like, let's just stack them up because then I'm I'm, I'm done. Now, Vince, you ref- you reference the yeah. It's it's it, I'm I'm actually really annoyed mm-hmm. at the filmmakers that we have to talk about this. 
You're 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 annoyed at the filmmakers because of this? I am. I okay. am. So, so the story is the story is you know, beats it, you know, as we said, these are all people playing actual figures mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from the old west. Right. And while none of them necessarily resemble the people that they're playing. Correct. Zazie Beats is playing Stagecoach Mary, and Stagecoach Mary was a bigger, darker woman. Yes. So unfortunately, this fits into a pattern. And Zazie so, Beats, for those who don't picture her, she is not a bigger nor a darker. Woman. Right. So it fits into yeah. this pattern of lighter skinned black actresses portraying darker skinned women or lighter yeah. skinned black actresses getting roles that it seems like logically should have gone to a, a darker skin, a darker skin actress. Right. And you right. know, you know, like I like Zazie, like she, like I like her, like I think she's solid. Mm-hmm. Like I like I thought the same thing about her in this. I think about her in Atlanta. Okay, like for somebody who can hold space with Brian Tyree Henry, Lakeith Stanfield, mm-hmm. Donald mm-hmm. Glover, mm-hmm. Uh, Regina King, mm-hmm. J- Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. She's solid. Mm-hmm. Like she does not yeah. get lost in the scenes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, you know, it's nothing about Zazie Beats that makes me say, well, I'm glad she was there. Okay. <laughs> like this would have been totally different if she wasn't there. Okay. So it just seems like this was a real easy casting decision mm-hmm. that got fumbled. Mm. And then I don't like the reaction to it. Like, like I've seen a couple of interviews with the director where 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 it, it's almost a version of what white people say to black people when we mm-hmm. say something and they basically say, What's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Or you're overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Which I don't like that. Like I don't think that's really a good look. Yeah, so, yeah. The, I, I'm sorry. I I'm so glad man, you brought that up. I look, I gotta. <laughs> I gotta speak go ahead. this. Go, 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 go ahead, Alexa. Go ahead. <laughs> no, because um, actually, somebody just mentioned it um, in the comments. You know how Zoe Zaldana was actually cast as Nina Simone. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, remember that when that happened, I and I, you know, and it's just like, what is, it, what do the casting directors or the directors think when they're casting these women who are supposed to be representing, you know, darker, possibly larger, even older, you know, women? Um, Zazie Beats, mm-hmm. and I agree every, with everything that you said, Vince. Like. You know, she doesn't get lost in the scenes that she's in. You know, I've seen her um, because she was in uh, Deadpool, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. The second yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Solid. You know, so, yeah. So she's a solid person. She's not like overwhelming, but she knows how to get the job done. And that's nothing mm-hmm. to take away. That's not to take away or discredit her talent. It's just to say, like, obviously, Regina King is like Regina King. You know, Zazie B, she's still getting her footing. She still has, you know, some more work to do. But when I saw this, and I haven't seen the movie yet, but I definitely wanted to see it. But having seen her being cast as Stagecoach Mary, and when I saw the comments and and the, the, the backlash against it, I could understand because, first of all, there's so many great actresses out there who are remarkable, who could have played, you know, this particular character. Yes, it's fictional. Yes, it ain't true. Like, I get it. But like, 
come on like there's some aspects yeah. of it yeah. if you're trying to represent a particular character like do a bit of work you can do a bit more work and you can actually be true to the realistic depiction of you know these people that you're trying to portray on screen so viola davis comes to mind um i'm sorry i can't remember the woman's name from um orange is the new black but she's i mean she's uh, so pretty uh -huh. i think her name danielle can't remember her name but she's oh, like yeah, a bigger dark skinned danielle, uh, woman yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. Lynn, yeah. I mean, Lynn, you know who me, you know who me and you would have cast. Who would you have cast? Oh, what's what's her girl's name, Lynn? Because you know exactly who I'm talking about. I don't know who oh, Lovecraft Brooks. Country. Oh, oh, um, oh, 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 yeah, oh, the girl oh, played Ruby. Uh, um, uh, oh. <laughs> I was looking up Tasty, and now you got me looking up somebody else. <laughs> well, the girl, the girl who played Ruby on Lovecraft. Craft country. I mean, she's gorgeous. And I would have and I loved her. Loved her. So I would have loved to have seen her stage coach Mary. But yeah, I uh, think first, first of first of all, the woman from uh mm -hmm. um Orange is the New Black is Danielle Brooks. But we're yes, talking about, we're, we're talking about Umi, it's Umi uh Musaku. <laughs> Umi Musaku. Musaku. I couldn't remember the last yeah. name. Umi. Right. Yeah. 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 So I I, I guess. I just say all this she to say murdered that role. Oh, oh heck yeah. Oh yeah. There's this 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 won't be the last time this happens. Mm -hmm. But I, I oh, think yeah. that we are tired, especially as women, we are tired of seeing our representation be depicted in a way that's so unrealistic when it doesn't have to be. You know, like why is it and there's nothing against, you know, her background or anything like that, you know, but why couldn't they have chosen someone who was closely related to the way that we, because obviously we have a picture, there's a picture going around on, you know, on the internet of the way the stagecoach Mary looks. Why couldn't they have picked someone to look that way? Why do we constantly need, like, we got an all black cast, but we need that one mixed girl. <laughs> we need that one mixed guy to like, because we, we just can't be comfortable with all, all these, you know, dark skin folk. We, we cannot be comfortable with that. Like, what is the issue with that? Like, I just, I don't get it. And like I said, it won't be the last time it happens, but I don't understand the psychosis in why we just don't feel comfortable with an all black cast. I, I just don't I don't get it. Well, technically it is an all black cast. So I mean, she's I mean she's not she's mixed. Okay. All right. I, I mean now she presents as black. <laughs> right. I think she it's presents I, as black. I, I, I think it's more of a colorism thing. Yeah, it's more of a colorism thing. thing. And, and, and to I'm Deborah sure. Battle, because Deborah Battle had a comment about no one talks about darker skinned black men. Right. Playing. Because but I think that's a, it's a false equivalence. Like we all know what this is. We right. ascribe dark skin to masculinity. Right. So right. a man being dark, it's it's like there's nothing radical about that. Whereas, you know, having a brown skin act like this is and and this is not a new conversation. See, yeah. Dark versus light skin uh little memes that they used to have going around. I see all the points that you guys are bringing up, I honestly 100% do. You about to sound like a white person telling black people <laughs> that they don't that you like you notice what you about to do, right? I, maybe then maybe I'm about to sound like okay. a white person. All right, go ahead. Go maybe ahead. I'm about to sound like I a don't person. know why y'all see color. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm gonna say. Go ahead. Go ahead. What I'm going to say. Go ahead. Because go ahead. you know, like I see people bringing up the Zoe Saldana Nina Simone 
deal, right? Which and you know I, that was er- erroneous. That was an it, error it, it, of it, errors. It, it was an error, but the 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 biggest error of that was to me was you know like yeah, could they have cast better? They could have cast better. But if you want to make the argument that Zoe Saldana at that point she's she's a she's a big name she's she's not a like a you know she's a she's a name out there she can she can put some butts in the seats and at least our track record mm-hmm. as far as shows that she could put some butts in the seat so if you want to make the argument that you cast her because she will put the butts in the seat then i will ride with you there the bigger the 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 problem was not so much that for me was that they then tried to darken her up for the movie that's when it that's when they they crossed the line to me because while everybody is making making this point and yes i guess we are talking about different times here but i land on on this like i said this is a western which is lore it's folklore they cast a black woman in it i don't i understand the argument and i'm not i'm not and i'm fine with people having having that argument i'm just telling you my Mm-hmm. Of my viewpoint of it is that they ca- they they cast a woman in in there, uh, Zazzy Beats, who for all you know was the best one in the auditions. We don't know. You don't know how many people they looked at for for, for this. Um, and she she got the role, and they re- they realized that at the end of the day, they are doing this fictional story right. about all these characters. Technically, none of the other people look like any of the other people either. Right. So should they then knock her off because if she she was good in the room because she's lighter, lighter skinned because because the argument, you know, it maybe it's not maybe it's a false equivalency, as you might say, you can look at to Deborah's point about darker skinned people playing mm-hmm. lighter skinned people. Everybody looked at X and saw Malcolm X. Denzel Washington is like nine thousand times darker than yes. Malcolm X. But you looked at it and you saw you saw uh, you saw Malcolm X. Diana Ross don't look nothing like Billie Holiday, but you looked at her. But she was in the movie and she she portrays Billie Holiday. The difference of those two yes. those films and the and the Nina Simone. F- film is that all three of those were biopics so i understand that you want to get the the depiction correctly in a western that is not purported to be a true story they tell you it's not a true story yes and it is just all folklore for them to just cast her i'm fine with it but again it fits into an ongoing pattern like this is an ongoing pattern like this isn't like you can't take it out of the context of an ongoing pattern of this that goes back decades. And again, I mean, Frank, I mean, quite honestly, like, honestly, it really don't matter mm-hmm. what me and you think. Mm-hmm. Cause this ain't about us. Mm-hmm. Like this ain't our conversation. Right. Right. Like, like, <laughs> like we can't say, listen to black women and then only listen to them when they say some shit that we agree with. Right. Listen to black women except except when we think they overreacting. How about Mm -hmm. that? Or they need to calm down. But I didn't okay. No, that's not what you said. And I I can say that to you because the wonder like the luxury we have of having over 250 episodes. 
Right. We got is receipts. that like people can like we actually have receipts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. people know where we stand right. on this stuff. So I know like you're making this argument in good faith because mm-hmm. you actually have the right. record to back it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can't say that this hasn't been a pattern that is ongoing. And just in full disclosure, just like you said that I have been guilty of saying that same thing about Aunt Viv. Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, maybe a year ago, I was dismissive of the whole Aunt Viv thing. Mm-hmm. But again, this ain't about what we think. Like, if Black women have said again and again, shit, we just watched Jungle Fever last week. Yeah. And they were talking yeah, about they, they were talking 20 about 20 years ago in Jungle Fever. Like, again and again and again. And not to shit on Zazzy Beats. She ain't really good enough of an actor for me to go to war over. Like okay. we had, like we had the same battle. No, real talk. Like we had, yeah. to, like we had a version of this conversation about Journey Smollett in Lovecraft. Country. Yes, we did. First of all, that's actually how she's described in the book. Mm-hmm. Second of all, Journey Smollett can act her ass off. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, again, I like Zazzy Beats. She ain't Journey Smollett. Mm. She ain't Tandy Newton. Mm. She ain't Tessa Thompson. Like, she's not one of these actresses where you can say, okay, yes, yes, she's a lighter act. She's not um, Gugu and Botha Raw. Oh, like, yeah, really yeah, yeah. Like, oh, she's not, oh, yeah. Like, like, you know, oh, well, you just yeah. cast her because she's a light-skinned black woman. Dog, have you actually seen her perform? Right, right, yeah. right. I, I hear yeah. you, I hear you. Any yeah. of those names is, is, is in right. Zazie right. Beach's defense. The role ain't even that big. Like this isn't a right. linchpin role right. in the like right. she's a, she's well, the damsel in distress. Yeah, she got that. You know, she's got the one scene where they introduce her. Like again, I'm annoyed that this film that I think is an utter triumph, the conversation has gotten derailed. They got to they dropped the ball yeah. Yeah. over yeah. something that was completely unnecessary. That, that they it, it was an easy was like did, like for like I hear you. like. Well, I just want to chime in because what what often goes unsaid is how much these studios rely on ensemble casts these days, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe Zazie Beats is the biggest name that applied for that role. Given the time, given the, the fact that it's a, not a small role, but it's not the biggest role either. either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get her on just to monetize just because like she has a following it's a small role let's get you know let's just get from point a to point b or or to lex's point and to vince's point maybe you do it intentionally because there's a market for social media hatred Mm. you wouldn't Mm -hmm. the viewership is one thing but the engagement on social media because of this conversation only drives right. the value of the film up. That's very right. true. That's, That's a true. Good point. Yeah. That's so, a good point. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it may not be intentional in terms of trying to slight dark-skinned women. It might be a case of what can we do to drive social media engagement up? Because we can monetize that too. Well, if that's what they meant, they succeeded because one oh, half yeah. of the conversations that I've seen about the harder they fall is about <laughs> this. Yeah, right. and, like right. we can't even get to the movie. And and right. and I and I say that because um, Netflix and all these other studios, if you have a verified check mark, 
you get paid off of the engagement. Yeah, yeah. As long as people are talking, there's there's money coming in. It's almost like ad revenue. That's true. So so maybe that maybe that's why they did this. Azrael yeah. the conspirator, ladies and gentlemen. Bree Bree five seventeen says, "I just wish they would stop lightening the part." for black women in film. There are so many dark-skinned black mm-hmm. women who don't get the shine. Mm-hmm. That they yeah, that's so true. Absolutely. That's so true. And Farrell Blackwell says, I've got to start a drinking game for every time Vince mentions Google and Papa. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I just saw her in a movie called uh, Fast Color. Oh, uh, oh, oh, that's our joint. That's yeah. our yeah. joint. We reviewed it. That's, yeah. that's our joint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, I might be a little late to the party, but mm-hmm. I absolutely loved, I, I, I think she's just good anyway, but I absolutely love the film. So just wanted to put that out there, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's a she's a beast. And, and yeah. yes, yes. But overall, and to your point, just wrote last, last note, only because you kind of like brought it up, like about how slight her role in, in here. If I, had any nit to pick about this film is that I think the story, especially the backstory uh-huh. of Jonathan Major's character and her character are, are, are slighted. Like they don't really, I don't think they get the, 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 like they don't get their great monologue like right. regina king gets a great monologue oh to talk about her sister it, sc- it, it scared me like i was ready to turn off the tv my like she was goodness. terrified me you know and then idris at the end i don't want to give it away but right. he has a big, oh, a big monologue as well oh man it, it's it, it's funny i was listening to one of our western i was actually listening to buck and the preacher mm-hmm. and we were talking about regina king in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. as a sister knight and and we joked about how like like black women who were like like cosplay mm-hmm. had this great new costume they yeah. could be sister knight regina king just gave him another one she gave him another one because her in in the peacoat in the hat oh my look, look like man. immediately iconic there's going to be a, like a regina king there's going to be like a Regina King like wing in like the cosplay hall of fame. Yeah. Just chicks just dressed up <laughs> yeah. as yeah. Regina King. Most come on, man. Come on. Peace. Peace. All right. But we approve of Heart of the Fall. We do. <laughs> and we will review it properly. Well, will we well, you know, actually Look, we can. This, no, the, we can. Yeah. No, 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 no. Because uh Miss Makiba, I'm gonna go back here in the chat. She actually mentions that here it is that she drove 70 miles one way there it is to watch the harder they fall wow. on a big screen there you go wow there you Ooh. go so that and and you mentioned it in passing concrete cowboys mm-hmm. was is also something that we'll talk about oh yeah come come one february one february come one february where we do westerns here yes on the michelle mission yes nice nice all right Okay. No Western tonight, though. No. Oh. <laughs> Almost an hour in. No Western tonight. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. We've come to review another movie. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say it was my selection uh, on the Me Show mission. <laughs> Let's get into our review of Shiva Baby. Yeah. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Uh-huh. 
Shiva, baby. Shiva, baby. Shiva, baby. Pam Greer, that foxy brown coffee gal, is Shiva, baby. I'm gonna take a shower. Meet the queen of the private eyes, pulling the teeth of a blood-sucking loan shark by land, sea, and air. Before I turn you in, you tell me about your operation, and you better tell me fast before you lose your head. When you're after the top banana, you peel off the skin. <laughs> what you gonna do with that gun, Mama? Nothing if you roll down that window. Oh, what? I said roll down that window before I blast a hole in your head. Flamin' Pam, giving the gun brothers the frizzies and their boss man the tizzies. Have I bruised your masculinity? You're sexy. I had to take you. Try me. It's her! Sorry to interrupt your little party, but you and I have something to settle. The heat's on in the street for that big bad mama, but she's doing the cooking. And any cat in her way is gonna get fried. Sheba Baby, the kind of baby every swinger likes to hold. Sheba Baby, a 1975 film directed by William Girdler. The plot... When the loan business of her father, Andy, is trashed by thugs looking to force a sale, Chicago private investigator Sheba Shane travels back to her hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, to even the score. Together with old flame Brick Williams, <laughs> she attacks the henchmen of local, lo local loan shark pilot, but a retaliation leaves Andy dead. Blind with rage, Sheba vows to take out Pilot's boss, Mob Kingpin Shark. Sheba Baby, directed by William Gurler, stars Pam Greer, Austin Stoker, Dervell Martin, mm. Ruby Challenger, and Dick Merrifield. This was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn... Lynn. Yes. <laughs> Lynn, <laughs> baby. He says sheepishly. Lynn, baby. <laughs> what do you have to say about Sheba, baby? It's terrible. All right. I understand the calculus of Sheba, baby. Okay. 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 Because the calculus is that in 19, by the time 1975 runs, rolls around, Pam Greer is a certifiable superstar, right? Mm -hmm. Full stop. Coffee, Foxy Brown. She is the first woman of black film in general for the whole country, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you could say you, you she would uh, 
it's because she was in all these action movies. You can say it's because she's a fantastic looking woman. You can say it's because, you know, in a, more than a, a couple of the films, she, you know, is has certain levels of disrobement going on. Mm -hmm. You can say it also because she is a captivating personality on screen, right? Okay. And, and all of that would be 100% true. And I went into the package that created Pam Greer. So the calculation behind Sheba Baby is to now take that raw, fiery talent and sculpt it into a finely tuned maybe more um, streamlined, mainstreamed package with, you know, blowout hair. Okay. You know, she's got, she's got a makeup artist that comes on set for her. She's, she is got, a, 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 she's changing her clothes in every single scene of this movie. This is time to put her on, you know, spotlight Pam Greer, the actress, the woman. Mm -hmm. See me act. See me hold hold court in this film that is filled with action, but it's also filled with trauma and pathos and 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 family strife. <laughs> Did I watch the wrong movie? That's the calculus, okay, behind William Girdler's like, production God, about Sheba Baby and direction of allegedly Sheba of uh, Baby. <laughs> I believe that's the calculation that was going on. That was the idea. That was the idea. That's the idea. Right. That's the idea. Right, we're going for. That's what they were yeah. going. Okay. For. All right. Hey, and listen, listen, listen. Quarterbacks. Attempt to make passes. Sometimes they get interceptions. Exactly. Exactly. It's all there in the beginning. This film starts with what, what's one of the most famous scenes from Shaft, another commercial mm -hmm. hit black film of a, a, a years before. It's Richard Roundtree Shaft just walking through the streets yes. as you get his whole attitude, you get his his whole his whole vibe. It's like the whole movie is right there to that iconic soundtrack and music by Isaac Hayes. So this film starts with Pam Greer walking through the streets to pop music. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't she actually just on a sidewalk though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, she's she's going away. Okay. She's going to a regular night. Like they were showing that Shaft was his own man because he was in the traffic and stopping the okay, traffic. Okay. Okay. And, and like he was part of New York. Yes. Well, she so was. So he was melting into the traffic and floor. She was just kind of on the side. She, she was. She, she was just right. walking. She was walking to work, like Alexa <laughs> said. She was, you know, and she was in a regular you know, day. She yeah. was she was following the rules, the traffic rules. She was not jaywalking, <laughs> and, and she wasn't running late either. She like, wasn't running no. late. She was kind of it was a leisurely. Was, it was a leisurely, leisurely morning stroll. Yeah, she had paced it out. She knew exactly how many steps right. it would take to get to work. And yes, which is all you need to know about this. <laughs> <laughs> about Sheba Baby, because this is just one. Leisurely like after another. 
Um, yeah, the whole reason the beat connection is here because of the soundtrack. Say, we're we're going to give y'all the mic to talk about the soundtrack. Look, y'all, we're not going to be on the movie that long. No, we're not. We're not. As, you, as, you can, as you can hear, the dog is already giving right. the review. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. What's up, the dog? Is he a baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... <laughs> yeah, they totally. The calculation was to dress Pam Gear up, and they just what they totally did was that they, in doing so, they dressed her down and took everything that is exciting and scintillating about Pam Greer off the screen. Yeah, totally off the screen, and they gave her a stilt, a very stilted dialogue, right? Um, but. Worse than that, worse than that. And Pam Greer, as electrifying as a personality she she is, you know she she's she's an actress. She's okay. She's okay. And she he, got better. She, and she, and got, she got, got better. And you know, and and perhaps this might have been the opportunity to show that she she got better. But she's in a film where most of her scenes are against people who. <laughs> are giving her nothing. They are giving her absolutely nothing to work yeah. with. Um, from from uh Rudy Challenger, there's a name who plays her father. He is he is like the best thing he ever did in this film was drop dead oh, because no. he is just. I don't know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yo. Shout out to him though, because he's trying to take on about about three or four thugs in the big. No, but, but did you see the dive though? The yeah, because he, 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 he didn't take him on. He just did a Greg Luganis <laughs> dive into one. My man dove like Tecmo Bowl. And then and then got hemmed up. And and and, and yo yo, I have seen better co- fight choreography in a. F- in the Flintstones. I don't know. <laughs> please, please, please. The scene when she drove into the, the, when they were meeting in the dark and she drove her car and ran over like two people. The way <laughs> the thug hit the car, I was like, all right. <laughs> Yo, this, I mean. Nobody, did, nobody did, went to acting school at any point. <laughs> There was no actor school. There was no take two no, on any no, of these no things. <laughs> take, take all you saw was take this out. Just keep it moving. Just keep it moving. Just out. keep it moving. But as, but as egregious as Rudy Challenger is, and you know, and unfortunately, you know, Darvell Martin, as we we've mentioned, he is the, he is the, the star of the seventies. Like you think yeah. the star of the seventies is Pam Greer, you think it's Fred Williamson, you think it's J- J- Jim Brown. It's no, really Darvell Martin. Darvell Martin. Yeah, he's who everywhere. Was in every yeah, he's freaking everywhere. movie. Mm-hmm. And the bad thing is, and he's in this film as pilot, and he's not given anything to do, but he he is. Acting against two mannequins, I swear. There's literally a scene where he is emoting, and the camera switches to the guys he is talking to, and they are just standing there. Dah, dah. No, no. Oh yeah. my god! I know exactly what scene just you're talking deer about. And, yeah. Deer and headlights. They were dead. They, they were totally dead. dead. The and the bad part about it is that the best actors in here, Pam Greer and Deborah Martin. They're only scenes together. They're chasing each other. So yeah. they're not right. even acting against yeah. one another. Right. Yeah. Right. But as bad as that is, the worst crime in this film <laughs> is asking us to believe 
that Pam Greer, one of the finest women walking the streets of 1975, is head over heels. Oh, no. <laughs> you about to be disrespectful. He is. He is. He about to come for brick. She is head over heels for a dick named Brick. Get the hell out of here. This, this dude. Is that going to be the name of the episode? <laughs> a dick named Brick. This, this dude oh is so God. boring, so deadpan, so charisma less it, I, it is a shame I mean yes I'll give him this when he's asked to be a three dollar Jim Kelly in this movie and actually drop kick somebody he actually pulls that off but that's only because Jim Kelly can't throw a kick so he just looks better than Jim Kelly other than that he is so there is absolutely no chemistry no. whatsoever. You don't believe that they are the same species of human. Never oh, mind wow. that they are attracted oh, to wow. one another. Lynn, you're not, you're not lying. When they first got on scene together, I'm like, who that is? Her brother? Right! Like, there was no chemistry right away. Then it I saw did seem like that was her brother at first. Yeah, yeah then I saw yeah. them in bed together and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting turn of events. Right. Yeah. right. I know it was this kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so oh, this man. Is, so Shiba Baby is just really a a a, a bad movie. And it, don't <laughs> take my word from it, ladies and gentlemen. I read directly from the uh Josiah Howard's great book, Black Black Exploitation Cinema, the essential reference guide to black exploitation films, where he writes of Shiba Baby. Uh, noteworthy only because this is Pam Greer's final film with the movie studio that made a star out of her. Sheba Baby is more than just bad. It's embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Wow. And that oh, wow. is exactly wow. what I thought of Sheba Baby. Vince, yeah. I turned uh, to you. They, All the fun, you can tell we're, we're moving towards the end of the black exploitation period. Yes. There, there's no fun Mm -hmm. There's no joy. It is lifeless. Somehow they managed to make Pam Greer not sexy at all. Not at all. Like, like, like we, we we've talked about Pam Greer before, where she kind of goes from her early part of the career, where where frankly she's exploited. Mm -hmm. You, you mm -hmm. know, they kind of have her naked all the time, right? And then you get to this, where she just has all of the charm of an eighth grade social studies teacher. Yeah. <laughs> like, like even in the scene where she's supposed to be undercover and sexy, she really just looks like she went to Cancun with her girlfriends and, you know, they're going to stay up late. <laughs> Let's be bad and stay up late and drink pina coladas. Like there's nothing, <laughs> not pina coladas. You, you know, I I can't add anything to what you said about the acting. I do think Derville Martin as the big bad pilot is an interesting choice. Cause it's an interesting choice, but the thing is, he's not even really the big bad. I, well, I think the film real like Derville Martin is has such a strange cadence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like he has this whole like there's this really strange energy 
Strange is probably not the right word. It's a very distinctive energy that you get with Derville Martin. Yeah. So yeah. to have him as a mobster is just yeah. a weird choice. Yeah. It works. It works in Dolomite films, but it, in a film that's supposed to be straight, right? It just comes off. It like, works in Dolomite because it's Dolomite. Right. Right. Like no one's really getting hurt in Dolomite movies. No. But this is people getting killed and. Like the the best thing I can say, and we're gonna let y'all talk about the soundtrack. The fact that Sheba Baby shot that dude in the back with the spear gun, and then the boat blew up. Mm. <laughs> I said, Yo. I oh said, my, well, oh my that's God. something I haven't seen. So. <laughs> Wait, we're, we're gonna give we're gonna give ten points to to to, to, to uh, Sheba Baby. The only one that felt like she was like unprepared. And again, and, and I know this is not in comparison, but unfortunately you have to compare, right? But in comparison to even um, watching Coffee or Foxy yeah. Brown, right? Yeah, oh yeah. If this was supposed to be like, like Lynn, like you said, like this is supposed to be uh, a polished Pam Greer. To step as, up, right? Right, right. As that James Bond type of private eye from Chicago. I felt like she was the most non-threatening, like she was just unprepared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh man. Yeah, like, I, I actually um you know what came to mind for me as as Vince was talking about uh pilot. What came to mind for me was the scene when Pilot was in bed with his three. Let's just say floozies, <laughs> floozies. But um, he was in bed, you know, as he was talking on the phone. And what came to mind for me was the idea of the sex symbol was very different <laughs> this time around than it is. It is certainly. I don't know. It's very different depending on the time. But mm. I was trying to look at him and just see him as this like big bad guy who was supposed to be like the gangster type and you know had the women around him. You know, of of course his mixed, you know, like gang, his mixed harem. Mm. And I was just like, who finds this man sexy? Like it just it wasn't <laughs> anything about it that was that was a turn on. Mm. But I will say. I don't think you can ever turn down Pam Greer sexy. I, I don't think you can really do it. You can try, you can attempt, but I think Pam Greer, no matter, especially during this time, I think she's always going to be sexy, but I think in terms of the acting, now we're trying to see you as more than just a sex symbol. Now we're trying to see the authentic talent that everyone keeps yeah, trying to yeah. push in mm -hmm. our face because they keep, starring you in these films so i'm like okay well this is supposed to be you know like your 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 opus so to speak you know mm -hmm. this is supposed to be the film that like makes you and it's supposed to thrust you into you know stardom then why was it so different what happened behind the scenes that they allowed the ball to drop so horrendously like what? i don't <laughs> i don't understand like so, what happened go so ahead I, so after i watched the movie right I, I wanted to kind of torture myself a little further. I wanted to see what critics thought of the movie mm. when they saw it. Mm. Roger Ebert said... Oh, yeah, he tore it up. He said, <laughs> only writing this bag could waste Pam Greer's talent after the streak she was on. Mm -hmm. Right, mm. right, right. And, and to Vince's and, and Lynn's point, 
I don't think it's not that she wasn't sexy. It's Pam Greer, right? But when the acting and the writing is so terrible, you can't even yeah. appreciate what she's bringing on camera because, right. like you said, she's she's laying in bed next to a brick wall, literally. Like, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But see, but that, but that's where that's where the difference is to me. It's it's least, and and you know, I'm loving Pam Grier. You're right. You can't turn off her sexy, but. And, and I really think that this film is a little bit of an answer to Cleopatra Jones, which came out to comes out, I think, like uh, a year or two before this. Right. Right. right yeah, with Tamara like Dobson. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. With Tam- and Cleopatra Jones, it's not no, any great m- movie either. But but Tamara Dobson is definitely cast as like this this um, super spy super together spy who and it's basically the same story returns home to you know to straighten out stuff in in her hometown right but Tamara Dobson and maybe it's because she was a model before getting into acting uh-huh. has the presence yes that mm-hmm. even when she's not saying anything she's standing there and you still you feel her sexuality in the room right. and i right. would give you that 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 tamra dobson's background as a model kind of puts her over if coffee hadn't come out a couple of years before this where everything that we're talking about pam greer displayed yeah but but the, but the difference in the difference in coffee is that her character in coffee pam greer's character in coffee is you know rises to be like you know this this, this right. bad chick at at the end in this film just like in Cleopatra Jones, she's already supposed to be all that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, yeah, she's just walking down the street going to going to this job, but she's supposed to be this bad chick going right. to this job. Right. She's this right. chick when they, when she comes back home, everybody's like, oh my God, is she right. the baby? Right. You know what I mean? So like right. she's supposed to be wearing this like attitude. And the attitude is like. Like yeah. she is literally going up to dudes and putting her hands on them and they are getting petrified. So it's like, she's supposed to be giving off this energy. Like she is like, you know, this, be- she's supposed to be Regina King. Right. And she's mm. not right. Mm. She's yeah. not at all. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a really yeah. good point. So, yeah. um, but, but the soundtrack, the soundtrack. <laughs> wait, 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 oh yeah! Here. Before we dig into the soundtrack, I, I want to bring up this point and shiz. I want I, I want you to speak on this because we talked about it. Okay. We were um, we had both we had both just started watching the film, and I called shiz about something not pertaining to the film, and somehow we ended up talking about it, and I'm like did you start it yet? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I just got to the part where she put his face oh, in like right, right, right. chlorine. And he was like, oh, is that what that was? I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> you remember that conversation? Right, yeah. Um. So, not for nothing, right? I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of black food tasting films. I, I, I love them. Um, I, and not for nothing, I watched y'all's uh, review on Truck Turner, which is one of my uh, one of my Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to Dorinda, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I always enjoy practicality and and like how before everything became CGI and special effects and all that good stuff. But I had no idea 
like what exactly was happening to when she was like interrogating uh uh interrogating a bull and she was dunking his head and I didn't know what it was. Like right. I didn't know if it was like I'm like, okay, is she suffocating him in flour or something? Like like what right. exactly is going on? Cause he was like right. terrified. And, and shout out to the actor for for trying to sell the fact that like he <laughs> was just he was just drowning and whatever it was and then uh yeah. And then Azrael was like, "Yo, that's it was, what, what was it supposed to be? It was supposed to be dustless chlorine." Okay. Yeah. But but again, like we all said, it just just noted for the past half an hour. So shout yeah. out to the actor because uh, <laughs> shout out to the acting. He says, "Yeah." Well, there's there's a certain charm that comes with these films that I yeah. think that overall as we t- as we talk about it and uh, thankfully everyone has given their honest opinion of everything um you know there's a cer- certain charm that you know these films have the fact that it in a lot of ways it is very amateurish um mm-hmm. people are trying you know <laughs> at, at least some of the cast we're, we're trying <laughs> you know they tried to build a story and you know it's it's good to see um you know, like a, a story be built, you know, whether it's, you know, a love story or, you know, sci-fi, whatever the case may be, it's good mm-hmm. to just see like this cast, you know, take what they were given and try to attempt to bring something out of it. So I think for me, like overall, you know, just being a little bit optimistic about it all, is just mm-hmm. like, okay, it was, yeah. it was amateur, yeah. but there's a certain charm to like, yeah. you know, you know, like the blood looking like a, a certain kind of red that you don't like, that's not yeah. necessarily normal or, you know, like whatever the case may be like, or the gun having no bullets, you know, actually mm. in the gun. Mm-hmm. As it's, yeah. you know, yes. All these little yes. tidbits, <laughs> all these little tidbits, it's very interesting. Uh, speaking so. of tidbits, before we move on to the soundtrack, which is why the mm-hmm. connection, well, they're here to talk about the movie, and it, you can see they're having fun talking about the movie. But they're <laughs> going to have a good time talking about the soundtrack. Um, yeah. But there were there were three little things that I kind of noticed in here, um, and it's, it's I think a little bit out of order. One is, at at one moment, these three I they they call themselves out of town professionals. Walk into the shade <laughs> insurance company with yeah. rifles. Yes, yeah. right, brandishing yeah. rifles left and right. You know, stick them up, and everybody goes goes. You know, is carrying back, except Brick, who <laughs> walks towards the rifle. Who walks towards a rifle? Oh, you're trying Only- to negotiate. <laughs> Tried his best. Yeah. That, that that annoyed me. Yes, I yeah. can see how that would have annoyed you. Then and there's more. Then yeah. cut cut to because after after that scene, you know, that's when we have uh Rudy Challenger's great scene because he 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 drops down, he he gets shot, yes. thankfully. So he's got shot. He, yes, he's taken out of the picture. <laughs> and he's in the he's in the hospital. And Pam Greer gives what is supposed to be a very heartfelt monologue there, but mm-hmm. it's not well directed and, and quietly it's not it's not well acted. But then a nurse walks in to the room. Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And the nurse, and I don't know why this really like I, it, it, I, I no, took notice it as Pam Greer is, is sitting there crying over her, her, her father. Mm-hmm. The nurse walks in 
and reaches for her father's <laughs> finger. <laughs> and just, just holds the finger. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Right. right. Just, just, just stands there with the finger. And then when Pam Grant looks at her, she just reaches for another finger. Hey, hey, hey. The actress, the actress that played the oh nurse. Oh my God. She don't know how nurses work. <laughs> no, she didn't do no research on nurses. No one helped her with that part. Right, no one helped her with nursing. I don't, I don't think he has a pole. Right. The, director, the director said, "Go in there and be a nurse." And she said, "Let me, let me, let, let, let me grab his finger. Oh his finger. My gosh. I'll, I'll take the other finger too. Is this how oh nurses work? Right." <laughs> Oh my gosh! I talked about that, and then at one at one moment, Pam Greer is going looking for information, and she goes into I guess like a a, a diner or a little, yeah, like like a, a like, dive, like some yeah. little like dive to get some information. And I took note because I wasn't watching the acting, and I took note that apparently in 1975, uh huh. You could get a cheeseburger for thirty-five cents. Oh wow! But you could get a large fries for forty-five cents. A large fry. Interesting. It's more expensive. Was than more the expensive than the wow. cheeseburger. What does that say about the food at this? Time? I was about to say you should probably leave leave the meat alone. <laughs> right. This mystery burger, right? That is only thirty bucks. Right. Wow. Byproduct burger. But that's Ooh, all I've got. That's all you got. Yeah. That's all I got. For all right. For the movie, I already talked about her shooting a dude in the back with a spear gun, and then the boat exploded. <laughs> what? So I when, said, "Well, that's quite exciting." Yes. When you when I'm glad you brought that up because I watched that scene probably about three times because I was wondering why the boat exploded. I'm like. <laughs> how, did, how did the what was the correlation between the harpoon and the I, I, I don't I, I think he got hit with the harpoon and then he did he, he lost control of the boat and then the boat exploded yeah, that's <laughs> oh all right. I mean never all mind right. that, never <laughs> mind he was shooting a gun and missing him terribly yes but with a Seven foot harpoon gun, right under one arm tucked, which, <laughs> which maybe, maybe I'm, I'm glad it's five of us here because now it's 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 a group mind. I don't boat, <laughs> <laughs> right? Are harpoon guns something that are often in boats? No, like just generally, no, certainly not no. just laying there loaded. No. It's like a, a, a life preserver, probably extra, you know, gas. And a harpoon sure. gun. And a harpoon gun. Yeah. According That's, to bad writing, yes. Yes, just generally <laughs> harpoon. They had harpoon guns in, uh, in Jaws too, right? Yeah, yeah but they, they were chasing they a were shark. They were chasing a shark. <laughs> Maybe somebody was chasing a shark. I'm just saying, isn't that, 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 that not part of like standard issue? Like probably when they say, okay, we're going to put together a boat scene, we need to have these items. Like, right, that's what I'm saying. Like action. a harpoon gun. <laughs> yeah. Right. They have a list. They have a list. I don't believe Shiz is trying to make sense of the Shiba no, Baby no. universe. No, no. That in no. that universe. He's, he's trying to make sense of it. The thing is, I find it very convenient that she just happened to hop on a boat, a boat with a harpoon gun. 
Like, Follow up question: Is a harpoon gun easy to use? No, yeah, is no. it just pointing? That's what I was just thinking. Like, like she, I swear, yeah. I was just thinking that, like the the position that they placed her in, especially oh. through all the movies, she's always doing something that I'm like, well, when did she get training for that? Like, right. uh, <laughs> when did she get certified? Unprepared. <laughs> she seems like the most unprepared tough guy. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> when did you? Learn how to use a harpoon, like right, yeah, real quick. And seventy-five okay. in Wikipedia, so I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> according to Farrell Blackwell, harpoon guns and ascots come with all boats in the nineteen seventy. Well, oh, wow. well, well, there you go. It's, it's much like everybody was kung fu fighting. To that point, Melissa Bagley says that these films try to make us believe that I could be standing on Fifth Street and kick at you while you're standing on Sixth Street and you actually fall over. Well, that was all. Uh, that was all BS. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Oh but, the but the soundtrack. But the soundtrack. But the soundtrack. The soundtrack yes. is to Shiba Baby, which was mm-hmm. produced by Monk Higgins. Yeah. And Monk Higgins is actually a very profound name in 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 music history as the beat connection. <laughs> did deep diving into the crates and found out. I will turn it over. I was about to say, connect the beats. Connect the beats. (laughs) Yeah, connect the beats. (laughs) A good man is gone. (laughs) A good man is gone. Wait, wait. Before you start, we can add this to my list of movies where they tell the whole plot of the movie in the song. (laughs) Right, right. It's like this, three the hard way, and Bobby Brown doing the theme song to Ghostbusters Ghostbusters. 2. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So go ahead. Aside from the film, right, I'm a a, a big fan of of cinema soundtracks and scores and all of that. Um, Again, Vince, as you mentioned, right, that song right there pretty much captured like the whole film and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, that uh as far as doing homework and research, you know, doing our reconnection thing that we already do and that we love to do. Um yeah, we found there were uh there are quite a few samples on this yeah. album. Now mm-hmm. it's uh it's debatable on whether or not uh as far as uh, being notable samples or uh, right. notable modern day uses, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there were definitely uses, and uh, most notably, like you said, A Good Man is Gone, which I believe was the most used or most sampled track yeah. from the yeah. uh, album. Mm-hmm. And again, um, uh, going back into our uh, Dr. Dre DJ premiere conversation, shout out to Primo for sampling some of the uh, some of the scores and all that off of said soundtrack. Um, At first, I wanted to say, let me give a big shout out to uh, the vocalist, uh, Barbara Mason. Shout out to Yeah. But she killed it. For me, she killed it on all the tracks that she did. Um, Again, A Good Man Is Gone, obviously. I I think um, if you you probably held a poll or a tally to see which, which was everybody's favorite song off of that soundtrack, I think that was it. And um, yeah. mm-hmm. what you got, Ray? No, no, no. So when when I watched this, um, it was my first time watching it in its entirety. I my dad was a big Pam Greer fan, 
So I've seen bits and pieces, but I'd never seen a movie in its entirety. So at the part where um, Shiva's I, I, father- I'm just curious what scene from Shiva Baby, his father screamed for him. That he only saw <laughs> no, you, you know how you walk in the room. <laughs> anyway, um, a good man is gone uh, when Shiva's father uh, passes away. Uh, it sounded really familiar to me. I'm like, where have I heard this before? But mm-hmm. I knew it was a rap record. Mm-hmm. What I what I recognized it from was um, Joel Ortiz from Slaughterhouse uh, mm. put out a mixtape called Free Agent. And I want to say it was 2000 and... 2011. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he put it out and uh, it was an independent release. Uh, the producer was Broadway. Broadway I hadn't heard of before, but uh, that was one of his more successful uh, projects. And he used the sample Good Man Is Gone to talk mm-hmm. about loved ones from his neighborhood that had passed away. Uh, one that he was really that he really dug into was the person who helped him meet Akon. Uh, mm. jo- for those that don't know, Joel Ortiz kind of went around a lot of major labels, Wait, but ended up so. sticking around in the independence. He went with Akon for a little bit, went with Dr. Dre for a little bit. Um, so Good Man Is Gone. Uh, by Joel Ortiz uh, from the Free Agent album is a must hear if you appreciate Sam Lennon and you really appreciate that uh, that Monk Higgins soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're talking about how it was sampled. I, I think it's been that song in particular. You talk about how it's the or favorite one. I think it has been sampled like over twenty times, times or something yeah, like that. I want to say twenty three to be exact. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if I can uh, add a bit to uh to the story so first um for me you know when we talk about the credits so it's usually credited as mock higgins with alex brown and then Mm -hmm. we have barbara mason so barbara mason was the vocalist alex higgins was the songwriter and mock higgins was the arranger and the composer right Mm -hmm. now they all have their particular history i would say mock higgins has more uh, more history than um, Alex Higgins and Barbara Mason um, because of the work that he's done with different artists. Uh, But Alex Brown was the songwriter and she actually has an um, album that was produced by Mark Higgins um, that's on YouTube actually. And you can, you know, check that out. That's a good Um, album by the way. Yeah. So for, for anyone who's into like Motown ask, you know, a sixties, you know, soul or pop music Mm -hmm. you know alex brown you might want to go check out that uh album um also barbara mason yes we stated that she's from philly and she's uh done a lot of work as as a singer and a background vocalist and all of that and i believe um like she was still touring at least till like 2016 or so so she was still working actually but yeah it was it was very interesting to see um because in listening to coffee um which that soundtrack was primarily produced by Roy Ayers. Right. Um, then you had Foxy Brown, where that soundtrack was produced by Willie Hutch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to, of course, Mike Higgins for, you know, Sheba Baby. It's interesting to kind of like hear these different influences, the, the, the funk and the soul and the jazz influence really be the foundation for the stories in these films, you know, mm-hmm. and 
Barbara Mason, I know she had a song uh, called Yes, I'm Ready, which was actually yeah, sampled. Yeah, that's a big hit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a big hit for her. And that was sampled as well for, you know, several different artists. So we're talking about... Um, now, when we were listening or looking for the samples, these samples aren't mainstream like songs these weren't like no. the biggest hits so for this uh -huh. album you're not going to find like samples that were featured in like big you know hip-hop hits or anything like that but you do have some hip-hop stars who have used some samples right. or hip-hop stars yeah. and their producers who have used samples from these uh from the soundtrack so you got gangstar you have um rhapsody um, mm -hmm. You have Kendrick Lamar, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, DJ I, I, Premier, I, I, Joel Ortiz, yeah. yeah. Ice, Ice Cube used the uh, the brushstroke record for uh, the nigga you love to hate. Yeah, that was, that was one of the bigger mm. records that I saw. Yeah, that. yeah. So I mean, for for this particular soundtrack, the music itself, you know, and and I would say like the the. The, the body, the triad or the trio of the, the movies that Pam, Graham, Pam, Pam Greer, excuse me, was in. Mm -hmm. I, I love the soundtracks for this, for this music. We talk on the B Connection all the time about how pivotal the 70s was in terms mm. of the soul and the funk and the jazz and just like this melting pot, the sounds that really just made for like heaven in terms of sampling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so mm -hmm. many of, you know, our producers or the producers that we know and love have really <laughs> dived into the 70s, you know, as yeah. as just like, you know, a foundation for the music that we really love. I mean, hell, mm -hmm. I mean, if you listen to Kanye, you know, he's a big proponent of that. So, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. So, I, I mean, just overall, you're not going to find a lot of hits, you know, as far as like the samples that we found, but... More so than that, listening to the album, I always say go back and listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack on its own is just good music. Mm -hmm. right. It's just good music, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this. Um, as much as we kind of pick apart the movie, uh, the soundtrack, like you said, it wasn't... The soundtrack didn't lead to a bunch of hip-hop biggest hits, but it's been sampled countless times by underground artists by mm -hmm. art by big artists who needed album cuts so mm -hmm. the, the movie lives on through the soundtrack even if you don't enjoy the movie and i feel right. like that's the case with a lot of black exploitation flicks where the the soundtrack is oh almost like the they work in unison yeah but it's almost like the the soundtrack can outlive the movie yes. oh absolutely oh yes. yeah oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, oh yeah Shiz, you shouted out Just Blaze when we first started uh, talking. Uh, I forget the name of the record that's on the soundtrack, but it's the scene where uh, Pam Greer crashes the uh, the meeting and runs over a couple of the thugs. Mm -hmm. And as I'm listening to to the score, I'm like, that sounds familiar. And I'm playing it in my head, and I'm like, I've I've heard this before. It was safe to say, produced by Just Blaze. He gave it to Fat Joe. Um, mm. And it's not even See? listed as a sample, so I don't know if it's like one of those things where, you know how uh, depends on how much they, they may may have recreated it, right? Right. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like an interpolation, um, yeah. right? You know, so I know I'm hearing it. And matter of fact, I ended up texting Alexis and I said, "Yo, I've heard a couple RZA sounding instrumentals from this mm -hmm. soundtrack." So I think mm -hmm. that's a lot of what goes on. They end up uh, interpolating, or you can't. 
you don't know how to clear the sample the right. legal way because right. Like, so the, you recreate it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Right. Yeah. Hip hop <laughs> has gone back to the Sheba Baby soundtrack countless times. I mean, countless times. So yeah, yeah. If, if nothing else, Sheba Baby gave us a, a an, an amazing soundtrack, which led to amazing uh, hip hop records. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll say Mark Higgins, you know, gave yeah. us you know, like great music to to yeah, sample. Because if it wasn't for his compositions and his arrangements. Um, mm-hmm. Because even if there weren't any uh, the vocals to it or any lyrics, oh, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, just, mu- yeah. like just the music itself is yeah, like good enough mean. to just listen mm-hmm. to, you know, on its own. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I um I ended up going down a rabbit hole with uh with Monk Higgins, and he did a record called Sitting Duck with I want to say it was the three the three <laughs> staff. Mm-hmm. That okay. Sitting Duck has been on repeat for the last week and a half. Oh, really? Okay. Like, look that, look that up. If you if you haven't listened to it yet, it's called "Sitting Duck" by the Three Sounds. It's uh, he does the the orchestrative work for I forget uh I forget who the members are. I should have put it in my notes, but I forgot to. But yeah, "Sitting Duck" by the Three Sounds. Great record. Great record. All right, we want to have to check that out. All right. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You can see how the music of Sheba Baby has become the basis, the foundation for some of hip hop's most essential beats and sounds over the the last 10, 20 even years, even um, inspiring artists today. And that is the sonic legacy. Mm-hmm. Of Sheba Baby, yes. Yeah. However, however, we are here to we are here to discuss to pass judgment on the film on the film itself <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a cinematic legacy of Sheba Baby, and so we come to the moment. Oh, that we all We're doing this land on <sighs> Lynn. Yes, would you recommend Sheba Baby? No, I I can't. I can't say that I would recommend that you watch Sheba Baby. Okay. No. Yes. No. Buy the soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> I concur. I concur. Get it on too. There's no reason to watch Sheba Baby. Would, would either of you, would the Beat Connection, Shiz, Alexa, Azriel, would you recommend that people watch Sheba Baby? Look at Alexa's face. Alexa, <laughs> Alexa's like, she, she's trying so hard to be kind. She's like... <laughs> So I would say yes, but the reason why I would say yes is if you watch Coffee and Foxy Brown, I think it's important to see the trio of films of one of the first black female action stars, you know, especially during this particular time. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's important just for, for history's sake, just for your own personal knowledge. If you love films, um, I would say yes. Personally, would I watch it again? No. But I think if you are really interested in the evolution of Pam Greer, if you're interested in her story, and if you're interested in black exploitation films, then I would say yes. But I would also recommend don't watch it by itself because it's not a good representation of Pam Greer. Watch it with coffee. Like if you can watch it, you know, watch coffee first, Foxy Brown, and then watch 
you know, Sheba baby and just see, you know, the trajectory of, of her, of her work. So watch coffee, watch Foxy Brown, turn on Sheba baby and do the dishes. That's Alexa. Is that's basically her recipe for your Pam Girthon? <laughs> Shiz, what what does it say you? Should we watch? Should we watch Sheba Baby? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this right. Think about your favorite artist. Um, hypothetically speaking, let's just say you for every Jay Z album, right? Every Jay Z album wasn't a hit, but you still bought it and listened to it because you know you wanted to hear Jay and hear what he was talking about. So I, I, I kind of attribute this the same way. Now, Lex, I would say I would watch it in a, a particularly different order. Mm, I would okay. probably watch it like you know when you get ready to, uh, when you're getting scolded at work or something, for example, and you, they they tell you the sandwich, right? So mm -hmm. I would probably watch like coffee first then Sheba Baby, and then mm. like Foxy Brown. So it's like, we're going to do your little good, go and slide that uh, not-so-good stuff in the middle, and mm -hmm. we're going to kind of bring it back to, like, you know. With, okay. Uh, but then okay. Gotcha. Go into it thinking. So if you read about the film before you put it on, right, you see all the bad reviews. And even if you sit here and watch this podcast and the show mission right now and hear how, uh, quote-unquote, terrible it is, Go into it as if you're watching a sci-fi channel movie like early Saturday morning or something like that. You know what you're going, you know what you're going into. Like, like you know those sci-fi movies, you're not looking for exceptional acting, you're not looking for uh, uh high visual scenes, you're you're looking simply for the comedic kind of like I know this is gonna be bad, so I'm going into it knowing the Sharknado is is coming at me. I'm about to say, okay. <laughs> And you go, go right. into it with, a, with an open mind and just, um, yeah, just have fun with it. But yeah, okay. I, would, I would recommend it as a watch. Go for it. Mm. So, so Shiz says, Sheba Baby, the Sharknado of black exploitation films. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Sharknado, the Sharknado reading. Right. Right. And maybe Sharknado might be too much. Maybe it's Sharknado 2. Ooh. Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> All right. All right, Azrael, where we go, where are we going with this? Should we watch Sheba Baby? Uh, much like my illustrious co-host, um, I'm of the mindset it's all about what you're going into the movie expecting, right? Mm. With me, I always look at black exploitation like this could go one or two ways. This could be really good, or it could be hilariously bad. Mm, that's... I, te I tend to like hilariously bad movies because as long as there's a comedic effect to it, it's like if I can find something to laugh at, I'll enjoy myself. Now, if you're gotcha. going in there expecting great acting, great action scenes, it's like, all right, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. But in terms of, like like said, you know, it's, it's part of history. Um if you're just looking for appreciation of Pam Greer's career, because that's really the only incentive to really watch it. If you just want to go on a Pam Greer marathon, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's probably the last movie of her resume that I would watch. I'll probably turn on Jackie Brown or Bones before I watch that again. But I would, I would tell people to watch it. Just make your own mind up. Even if, even if we, even if five people say it's terrible, 
Make your own model. All right. Well, th- there you have it, ladies All and gentlemen. Right. There you have it. Uh, the B connection spoken like people who are not on a mission to watch every black film ever made. <laughs> so <laughs> they have the freedom to just say, sure. Go watch it. <laughs> what, a, what else are you doing? Right. <laughs> but see, we got to watch all of them. <laughs> hey, don't watch it twice. You can watch it once, though. <laughs> Deborah Battle reminds us to don't uh, to not forget Friday. Don't forget Foster. Friday Foster. Yeah. I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah. See, see came out the same year. Yeah, you, you might want to rethink that sandwich if you watch Friday Foster. You know, and then like, oh, okay, well maybe, maybe we don't have to watch Sheba. Maybe. Right. <laughs> maybe we just put this bologna out of our sandwich, and we can just have all ham and turkey and roast beef. All right, but we will, we shall see. We shall see. All right. Well, uh, before we tell you, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to be watching next week here on the road to 300, Mm -hmm. I want to uh, say thank you to the Beat Connection podcast. Alexa, look at at, they got they got it's all foil. We don't got foil shirts. We don't got foil shirts. Look at them. They all flexing and stuff, all shiny. Oh man. We we gotta get our weight up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Beat Connection, you can uh, check them out on YouTube, the Beat Connection 215. Where they mm-hmm. break down the history, the sonic legacy of some of your favorite hip hop joints. Um, this has been so much fun, so much fun, and and I can't wait till we get an opportunity. You know, I picked this movie. Next time we'll let you guys pick. I the was movie. about to say. Next time we'll let you guys. <laughs> I tell, I tell, I'll tell you what. Maybe we can maybe we can pick a soundtrack and have them back over. On our journey. Okay. All right. Maybe we'll we'll make a a special episode where we pick a soundtrack instead of just one song. Yeah, that would be dope. That would be dope. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on here. It was absolutely like it was so much fun. Oh good. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel like I need to say this right real quick. I want mm-hmm. to personally thank Lynn face to face, right, man to man. Because for those who don't know, a little behind the scenes, this is our uh, probably like first first and a half time, like really meeting. And mm-hmm. when I decided to get into this venture of podcasting, I was going in a totally different direction. But Lex was like, "Hey, I have a friend. Um, he's been in the game for a minute. He'll answer all your questions or whatever." And he took my call like right then and there, probably about an hour before he was getting ready to film his other stuff. So. I definitely want to say thank you, and I'm grateful and appreciative for you answering all my crazy, my silly questions and all that. And, and, and definitely thank you for uh, for almost not necessarily giving me the push, but just letting me know what's cool to go ahead and jump into it and, and just have fun and do your thing. So definitely, definitely thank you for that, sir. Well, you are very welcome, sir. You are very, very welcome, and I will expect my foiled beat connection shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's in the mail. It's in the mail. Don't even worry about it. and I got you both. All right. All right. <laughs> Look, Vince is sliding me in. That's <laughs> right. Texting me now. Anyway, um, well, thank you. Thank you. Very appreciate, appreciate that. And 
Mad love to y'all, man. Y'all doing great uh, things. Yeah, you. absolutely. Thank you. This was a lot of fun, and I, I love what you brothers are doing. I told you guys this in, in pre-production. Like, love what you guys are doing. Love the mission, and keep going. Dope. Keep going. Well, thank Dope. you. Dope. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. All right. Um, before we before we get out of here, ladies and gentlemen, tell you what we're going to be watching next week. I want to invite you all to email us all of your thoughts and concerns. Email us at the me show mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Like and follow us on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube at the me show mission, which is a proud member of the podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. We are continuing on this road to 300 episodes. Woo. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight was episode 276 on the road. Ooh, yeah. on the road. All right. All right. Next Three week, next week, episode 277, it's Vincent's turn. It is. Do you know what you remember what film we're watching? I do. I do. It's it's almost a, a, a bookend mm-hmm. to Jungle Fever. Yes, it is. We'll, we'll watch the, the, the first film, Tackling interracial relationships mm. 1967's guess who's coming to dinner Ooh, wow wow, <laughs> with wow. uh sydney portier yeah yeah spencer tracy spencer tracy katherine hepburn katherine hepburn and isabel sanford ah uh, yes isabel sanford. isabel sanford that's right I as a sassy she real sassy and guess who's coming to dinner <laughs> is that wheezy oh you're so, <laughs> you're so sassy Ooh, wheezy. Mm. you always need a sassy maid in a movie mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> always need a sassy maid Oh my God. So next week, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> guess who's coming to dinner guess right here on the Me Show Mission? Uh, until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. 